0: Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit It's time for a weekend edition of The Doghouse, so let's talk some Bulldog sports here on the Believe Podcast Network. Yes, welcome back to another edition of The Doghouse, brought to you by BetOnline, where the game starts. It's a Friday afternoon, and the scheduled season for Mississippi State basketball just ended a few minutes ago. I decided to go ahead and watch all the way through Mississippi State's second-round game against Alabama in the SEC tournament, figuring how it would turn out, and frankly, after the first five minutes, you knew how it was going to turn out. No big problem. While a victory would have been awesome for the Bulldogs, and not just locked them into the NCAA tournament, but given them a pretty good seeding in the process, the fact remains that barring the... Most unthinkable. Coach Christian's teams will be dancing this month. But come Sunday, when the field is announced, they'll be in it. Really, the only remaining question now is, will they be one of those first four teams in the field? As in, you have to play on Tuesday night in the early matchup, which makes it the field of 68 instead of 64. Or do they get the more higher seating that they probably deserve and go straight to the a real opening round with games Thursday and Friday. I don't think Jans and teams really care at this point. They knew as soon as they came off last week, they were probably in good shape as far as they happened. And beating Florida in Nashville was just enough to seal the deal. And now had they lost to the Gators and it looked close and ugly at times, then we'd be going into this weekend, really sweating things out. Instead, State won its 21st game of the season, and and I'll get to it in a moment, but let's just say that in and of itself is a huge accomplishment. They won enough games now. They're going to get a bid, unless I am grotesquely mistaken. Um, And what's the line from the Princess Bride? And I'm never wrong. Well, I am, but uh, he apparently wasn't. Anyway, the Bulldogs are safe. They're going to go play postseason, whether Tuesday or the weekend. They don't care. What an amazing storyline this has been for Chris Jans and team. Now let's think about it. Go back to early January when the dogs facing that front end, as we often said, SEC scheduled got off such a struggling start. At one point had one win out of eight games total they played, saw their non-comfort streak end right before they started league play. And then you're thinking, well, it's fun to watch them play hard again, but they're going to struggle offensively. It's going to be tough for them to make any kind of postseason. Maybe NIT is a practical goal. It just kind of will wait till next year. Well, this Bulldog team ain't waiting until next year. They did what it took to win this year, to win enough games to finish, even though 8-10 and 10 in the SEC is not as high as they wanted to be and certainly for safety needed to be, it's enough. It's going to get them where they want to go. Uh, the seeding—that's what will be determined again on Sunday. Whether you have to play early or play later, you know—are you 11 seed or possibly better than that? Those things will be determined as it goes on. The real point is, it is still, in retrospect, if we just stop to think about it, an honest to goodness, amazing accomplishment that what Chris Jans and this team—and really, I should say the team—has done for itself to do what they did and get to this point. We'll get to that point after we talk about our sponsor, Bet Online, which remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL and bowl season to eSports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50. That's right. 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BLEAV, all caps, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. Well, we don't know where and when the game will start, but there's another game for the Bulldogs to play. The more I look at this, and several times the last couple of weeks when talking to both statewide radio as well as SEC Now Radio, uh, the question coming up, how has this happened? I'd say, well, it's Obviously, one of those greater the 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 sum of the parts is greater than the individual parts. Although in the case of Tolu Smith, Bailey a Howell, trophy winner, justifiably so, all SEC, you've got one heck of a good part. Shaquille Moore increasingly getting the recognition he deserves, and some other contributing players. But the fact is, this is a team severely, and I mean severely, limited on the offensive end of the court. In turn, they've played fabulous defense most of the season, including in their today's loss. They really did a number on Alabama that very few teams have been able to achieve. Of course, the Crimson Tide, once they got the early lead, could probably play relaxed and thinks, oh, well, we can turn it on whatever we want to, and they never particularly wanted to, and Mississippi State did not put enough offensive pressure on them to force them to. That doesn't take away from the fact that this team in some senses, overachieved offensively. I, I know that's probably stating it a little strong, given the statistics. But if you watch this team play, you think, how do they score at all? Well, they score by getting the ball inside to Tolu. And if it's not there, kick it around, move it around, try to drive and slash for a layup. Um, I noticed as the season went on, the short-range jumper, mid-range, which is kind of a lost art in college basketball, has become more and more part of Mississippi State's repertoire. The hard drive to the basket and offensive rebounds, that's been the key to the offensive team. Is it how you ideally want to play? No. You want guys who can throw the ball into the basket from distance, stretch the defense out, then kick it inside to Smith. Well, State just doesn't have that. State doesn't have a pure point guard. That's been known all season as well. And that contributes to an assist turnover radio, which could be a whole lot better except the fact that it's pretty good in the, in the sense that State turns the other team over a lot as well. So you can't go strictly by statistics. Defense, defense, defense. They are a really good defensive team. And to put this in perspective, as I did a couple of times last few weeks, Matt Dunaway of the PR office keeps pointing out that as of right now, this is the third best scoring defensive team over the course of full season that state's had since uh, the statistics are available. That goes back to the early 1950s. And that's true. It, it's, it, they are the third best if you just go by points allowed per game over the course of the season. But let's put some context into that. The 1950s team that held them to fewer points played for Bailey Howell. I'm, I'm sorry, not Bailey Howell. You get them tied together. Although Howell would end up being part of the teams later. For Babe McCarthy. McCarthy ran basically what you call the domino offense, the forerunner to the four corners offense, meaning shots were few by Mississippi State and thus few by the other team as well. So fewer opportunities to put points on the board, period. Well, the other team defensively was uh, in 1981-82. That was the teeth-pulling offense by Bob Boyd, who is one of the guys responsible for the fact we even have a shot clock today because he also ran a pure four corners for so long, even with a brilliant scorer like Jeff Malone on the roster. What I'm saying is the only two teams ahead of state that had better defensive numbers played on teams that didn't even try to score and just tried to get the clock to run as fast as possible. So I dare say this may be a bold statement, but I think especially in the context of today's college basketball, this may be the best pure defensive team I've seen at Mississippi state, maybe better than anyone I saw before that. And I've seen a heck of a lot of them. So it again, a bold statement and would they rather be a team that scores a bunch of points than plays defense? Sure. But they played defense all year and that's something you can build on going into future seasons as you start recruiting more offensive talent. So it's, it's difficult for me to overstate, and as you know, I can overstate with the best. What a great job Jans and staff did this year, getting all they could out of the offensive team, getting everybody to buy into playing defense, and just making enough plays, gritting it out. Look at how many overtime or one and two possession games they played all this season. I don't want to be cruel to a former coach, but at football practice yesterday, Mike Nemeth and I were talking about how many close games they've played, and they make it look tough and ugly. I said, well, true, but I honestly believe, had the previous coach been running the same operation, this team would have lost at least half those games, maybe more. They would not have made those end-of-game plays on either end of the floor to win a game. This team has done those things to win 21 games already, and now has a chance to build that up in the best way possible by winning in the postseason. So congratulations, Coach Jans. We'll have more to talk about them next week, of course, once the bid, the locations, the matchups come out. But it's a good time for Bulldog basketball, and it's going to be a great new year for Bulldog basketball because, remember, for the 23-24 season, Humphrey Coliseum, renovated, refreshed, and expanded, is open for business without restrictions. Go ahead and start thinking about signing up for those tickets now. Speaking of tickets, well, only peripherally because I can't give any ticket numbers on football, but I was talking to the PR director for the football team at practice yesterday, and he made the comment that, in he's been around a little while here, but he said he was a little surprised about the pace of season ticket sales being reported by the Bulldog Club said they're really, really going well for this early in the renewal campaign. I said, I'm not surprised in the least, without any slur intended at the late coach Mike Schleach. I just think that the interest in the program had just gone flat. In, in, in Maybe that says way more about us as the fans than it does about the coach, about Mississippi State, about whatever and anything. But there was just kind of a hands, sit on your hands sort of attitude towards the team. Let's wait and see. And people didn't really want to get behind it. Well, that has changed with Zach Arnett taking over, especially with the hires he's made on his assistant staff, whether it's defensive coordinator Matt Brock promoted, who is a kind of chip off the same block there. The addition of Kevin Barbet, which is going to be my focus of this doghouse today, and as well, the additions of guys like Will Friend bringing back Chad Bumpus, the off-staff additions of Steve Campbell, uh, Brad Peterson coming back to keep with Rod Gibson and and Jay Perry and the Mississippi-oriented recruiting that State has. That's fueled enthusiasm among the fan base that recruiting is going to get better, but it's also brought some spark back in the team they want to see. I'm going to pass this along to you. Uh, Now, take it for whatever it's worth, or as I like to say, take it with the biggest sack of Morton salt you can probably find, but the two practices we've been able to watch, the only two practices of spring, in fact, there is a spring in state steps that I haven't seen in a while. (sighs) Okay, that's a little tough to say as well, because anytime you come along those lines, it's implies criticism of the previous staff, and I don't want to do that. However, I think it's only natural that a team loaded with veterans, but also getting a defensive coach they all loved, offense and defensive players both, as the head coach, and the additions he's made, the people he's brought in, and as well the way he revamped the existing staff on both sides of the ball, There's a level of excitement on these players that they were just ready to get out there and practice football again. And this is after they had the NCAA allowed eight open team activities, unsupervised, but with coaching able to do some things with them. So kind of a pre-spring spring, you may want to call it. But they still hit the field on Tuesday with a genuine spring in their steps, you want to say. And they played fast, they played hard, they just went at it quickly. As a matter of fact, that's something we need to talk about right now. You see, when Mike Leach's teams were practicing, something was always being happened. Time was not wasted because Leach was a big believer in you only get so many practice opportunities, so many reps out there to go around, maximize what you have. Well, Zach Arnett, with the advice of Barbet, has taken it to another level. In fact, talking to them yesterday, Barbé made the comment that when you watch the film now, uh, typically when a team is running 11-on-11 work, you'll have the 22 guys on the field doing something and the other 80 guys standing around and watching. That's not the case now. Everybody has something to do at every point of a practice, whether it's Pascal, 7-on-7, 11-on-11, individual drills, small group drills. Everybody is doing something somewhere across the three practice fields. It's busy, but it's organized. This is where the staff additions, not so much the position coaches themselves, but the quality control coaches, the graduate assistants, the others, are able to keep things moving on script and get guys working while everybody else is doing their own work. It's been fascinating to watch how they go at things, And maybe they slow down as it kind of gets dull and routine, but I don't think so. I think Arnett has interjected so much energy into what they're trying to do, and he maintains that energy by keeping them busy because the worst thing you can do is let some guys start slowing down and relaxing a little bit during drills while others do their part. This is a great way of keeping everybody involved from the top of the depth chart to the bottom at this point. So count that up as a positive for spring bo- football so far. Now, I mentioned that I wanted to talk about offense primarily because that's basically what I watched primarily. I wanted to see what Kevin Barbet is doing with this bunch. Well, from the very first snap of, of um, I don't remember if it was 7-7 on seven seven or 11-11, but the first time they lined up in a team sort of setting, a hurry-up offense, the very first play run was a rush. I just heard somebody said. The world has changed. Mississippi State is starting out spring practice periods by running the football. And by the way, that's a little more unusual than you, you may think because whether it was Joe Moorhead, Dan Mullen, uh, Sylvester Kroon before them, it, they tend to start these practices off throwing more in early days for the simple fact that they're not in full padding or if they wear pads, they're not hitting. And you can't really work the running game hard unless the running backs can be hit. But I think this shows the emphasis Mississippi State's going to put back into moving the ball on the ground. It was just fun to watch that. Uh, Jaquavius Marks is off to a flying start there. Simeon Price is doing well. You got the two new young running backs who are not going to back down, no pun intended. It's fascinating to watch them because Just the fact they know they're going to get to touch the ball now. And yes, they touch the ball as receivers often previous years, but there is a whole lot of difference when they're lining up. And by the way, you'll see them line up beside the quarterback, similar to the previous air raid type, or you'll see them line up in an I formation out of the shotgun system. You'll see an H-back type use by tight ends, or the tight end lining up on the line of scrimmage, or the tight end being in a true slot position with just five interior blockers. What I'm saying is that Barbe is doing a little something of everything as he lines guys up here in the early days of camp and get material to review and decide. And, yes, tight ends are very much involved. They're getting thrown the ball. Antonio Harmon is thriving as a tight end. That's a guy who may – as much as it's going to be good, the Georgia transfer that you've got in, he's running number one at tight end right now. And, of course, State's getting Jaquarius Spivey back, but not until summer because he signed after the portal closed, so they have to wait for him to come back. And we know what kind of receiver he can be. But Antonio Harmon is taking full advantage of this spring because right now, I dare say, after two days watching when they're running 11-on-11, he probably has more catches than anyone else. And if not that much more, then he's certainly right up there with the guys who are leading. Uh, also another receiver is just jumping out again is Tulu Griffin running out of the slot position. He, he even looks bigger. I don't That may just purely be image at this point. I don't know what his official weight will be compared because our roster we have a, it doesn't have a lot of numbers on guys. Arnett made clear yesterday that you have to earn your numbers and you guy, You're not just going to be handed one. So that's made keeping a depth chart a little bit interesting out there, but, Watching him run the hard slants inside and then running the tight ends in and out like that. And the most fun I've seen from the passing game, I cannot count the number of deep throws, particularly towards the pylon, I saw in Thursday's drills. And I mean, from with the snap being taken from the 40 yard line, true vertical passing is back, not air raid vertical. This is true vertical, as in take your snap let your guy break and then hit him downfield. Then there was one where yesterday that Rogers didn't wait for them to go that long, but he caught Rufus Harvey and in stride about the 20 yard line, which went for a touchdown as well. So you see, he'll get the ball out of there more quickly. And in fact, will seems to be throwing much more crisply and he's throwing on the move. One of the drills that stuck out to me in, like I said, this is just a drill without a defender involved. It's, um, the quarterback takes the direct snap from the shotgun hands off to a running back and then spins another direction with a football being flipped to him by a graduate assistant, and he's to throw to a receiver on the roll. Will is really good at this. Uh, he, he, I don't even had a chance to show a true rollout his first three years at state, but he is really good at least in drills, when there's not particularly defensive pressure about getting it. And he has this little bit of a knack on the rollout of being able to somehow get both feet on the ground just as it's time for him to throw and get a little more zip on it now you say that's what you're supposed to do yes it is but the younger or newer quarterbacks in the system they're not pulling it off with the same efficiency in fact on the rollout passing whether it's uh, Mark Wright or Chris Parson they tend to sail the ball on the rollout much more so are, and if they're rolling and trying to throw across the middle, they leave it a little bit low. Not always. I'm not saying that's a, that's what they do any great percentage of the time. I'm just saying the tendencies are there to maybe not get the hand right, the movement right, whereas Rodgers is getting it right. Now, now let's talk about um, Mark Wright. The guy can throw. He's he's not going to be a Rodgers type passer. He's not going to be a Dak Prescott type passer for that matter. But He's got a better arm than I gave him credit for just going by the times I saw Vanderbilt play or his statistics. He's not as accurate, especially when he's on the move, but he's got a good arm there, and I'll say this too. When it comes to hitting a hot route under pressure by the defensive team, that extra height he has and a long arm sure does come in handy because he was able to unload one time to a back when any other quarterback on this roster – that's going to be a duck down and take the sack or try to scramble somewhere. And Chris Parson, after two days, I'm going to hesitate to blow the trumpets just yet, but the kid has skills. I think Mississippi State's quarterback room is in really good shape for the spring. That's considering how many we lost to the portal this past winter. Well, it's not just been reloaded. I think the level of quality has been raised and the variety of it. Speaking of variety, if you read our Tuesday report, we did get to talk to Will Rogers first, at Camp. And, and that in and of itself is a change because Mike Leach preferred to keep his quarterbacks protected from media until well into the season. Not because he didn't trust him to talk, he just didn't want that much extra pressure placed on him. Well, if you can't handle the pressure by now, then you're not up to SEC football. Will Rogers can handle the pressure. It took about four questions. And somebody tried to, you know, ease into the idea about, well, you know, what do you think of Wright and what's he bringing to the uh, new position? And Will just said, are you saying I can't run? And laughed. And we all laughed with him, partly because it was funny, but also because it was serious enough. And I do have to say, Will made the comment that, well, okay, maybe Wright's read option is a little bit better than his. It is. If you remember the fumble in the egg bowl, the unforced one there at the end of the game, which kept a little bit of life for the Rebels, the same thing happened yesterday in practice. He took the direct snap, tried to go around left guard, and under no pressure at all, carrying the ball in two hands for him, just dropped the ball. Okay, maybe he's getting it out of his system now, we hope, but it's still, you see things like that, you think, um, maybe, maybe not. Rodgers, no such problem. He is much more aggressive on the take the snap and pull it. Oh, by the way, there have been no true snap under center snaps yet, according to Barbe, but it's coming. There are going to be real under center snaps, and that center is Cole Smith. Now, I know some people who saw our reports on Tuesday were just going ape about it, saying he was terrible as a center. He was always hiking the ball high, was he? The Let me tell you. Bring him back to center in this system is the right thing for Cole Smith in Mississippi State. For one thing, it's allowed him to gain weight. He, he told a friend of mine that he had been forced to lose more weight than he felt comfortable with by the previous staff because of the tight blocking being required, especially playing at the guard position. Well, now he's not only been allowed, but encouraged to gain the weight back and play more of a physical center position, and it's working. It's where he needs to be. Of course, Steven LaZoya. he's your number two center, and he also plays a good bit at guard now until Cameron Jones comes back. He's one of the offensive linemen out for the spring. We'll see how that shakes up the guard positions come August, but for right now, you've got a comfort level with Lazoya at that position. Dollar Bill playing well out at right tackle so far, although that's not even truly tested by the defense either. I, I probably should back off a little bit on praising the offensive line because they have not been fully attacked by the defense just yet. I mentioned tight ends. It's just so good to see those guys back in the offense. I do sound like a crumpy old dog sometimes, don't I? But these guys are legit. And the fact that you can do different things with them, like I said, make an H back out of them, put them up in a true hands down extra tackle position or flank them out into a slot. And even the big guys are doing this, not just the smaller tight ends. There's some guys that it's early, but there's one or two tight ends who haven't made a lot of attention so far as as far as their signings, their arrival. But I'm thinking there are some specimens over on that side of the ball. I, I've got to keep a better eye on this as it goes. I mentioned the fact that new players are having to earn their numbers in most cases. I still don't know for sure if he's number 82. But if that's Nick Barmira, state place kicking is back in good shape. He had the most unusual warm-up drill I saw where he puts the ball on the 20-yard line on a tee, then stands beside it and doesn't take a step. He just rears back the right leg and swings, almost like, um, call it a golf swing or something, and chips it through the goal consistently. Now, once he gets past the 25, he goes back and more and take your steps and stride into it. He does tend to hit a lot of balls low and hard. So maybe that's something to be a bit concerned about, especially as they get longer and to worry about rush teams and things. Uh, I watched him on kickoffs. He also had a tendency to line drive his kickoffs as well. So I'm not saying that all issues with kicking have been answered by this one addition but I certainly like the way things are headed. As far as injuries, of course, I mentioned Cam Jones, Jet Johnson's out on the defensive side. A few other guys are missing, will not return for spring or may make it back during later part because remember they have next week off for spring break before they resume the full schedule. So, So I meant talking about the offense, which I've again focused on mostly. What do I like about it? Everything so far. Now, until the defense is freed to turn loose and go after him, I shouldn't be quite so giddy. But I just think there's a lot of tools for Barbie to work with. Uh, the wide receiver core, Justin Robinson, has just he's, he's picked up where he ended last season, and he shows every sign of wanting to be the lead dog. Uh, Tula Griffin, I talked about. Uh, yeah, and Wally, he's had, a, he's had a good camp so far as well. I mentioned Rufus Harvey. And now you're going to start adding some people. And here's another to watch, Creed Whitmore. You know, I couldn't help but grin a little bit about seeing somebody wearing number 25 out there. Um, and maybe even sometimes there's a physical res- uh, resemblance. But Whitmore does things that Austin Williams only d- dreamed of athletically. He's fast, he's physical, he gets down the field, he makes good catches under pressure, he can stretch a defense, and oh, by the way, he looks like he's going to be a pretty good punt returner as well. Uh, he and um, he and Wally and Griffin are the ones taking turns fielding punts so far. But goodness, those guys going across on a slant pattern? Uh, all right, before I start drooling all over the microphone here, it's been fun these first few days. Now they're off for a week. They won't practice again until a week from Tuesday. And every week they'll go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. First scrimmage should be in a couple of weeks as well. Scott field will provide you all information. We have available on camp to then, but early indications are football's back on campus. Football's back fun for Mississippi state season ticket sales reported strong there. Uh, when, um, uh, Mike Ritchie of the Bulldog Club gets back from Nashville and the SEC tournament. I hope to have hope talk with him about what's going on with it and then uh, other plans of course for mini packages and individual tickets. But I'd say right now if uh, you're if you sit straddling the fence about do I renew my season ticket or not, do it. You're going to have a team you enjoy, you're going to have a coach you definitely enjoy. This staff is fitting in, they're they, they've had plenty of recruits on campus already just for two practices. They're not wasting any time getting recruiting done as well. It's just been impressive to watch, and it's going to be more impressive as the spring goes on. So we'll try to keep you informed as best we can of what's happening with spring football. But the big topic for the weekend, we'll turn to basketball when selection Sunday takes place. And oh, by the way, tonight, Baseball's back in town. Mississippi State hosting Lipscomb. I've just about burned up this whole podcast, so I won't go into a lot of detail about the Diamond Dogs. You can follow them yourselves and how Scott Foxhall has revised his pitching again and what Mississippi State's doing offensively. But I'll just get back to what I've said before and what I have a feeling I'll be saying for a long time. Throw strikes. And I'm not doing strikeouts. Just throw strikes and then feel the ball. If the Bulldogs get back to those two absolute most basic things of throwing strikes, getting ahead of batters, and making them roll over pitches and defense doing their job, make the routine, field it, deliver it. Don't Not the great play, just make all the routine plays defensively. Then that will go so far towards addressing what's been the issues for the Diamond Dogs so far, as in giving up too many hits, too many walks, too many deep counts, and way too many errors in the field. Offensively, Bulldogs are going to be fine this year. That's not even a question anymore. But even in these days, you've got to have the pitching and the defense to hold up and support the offense. Let's see about Lipscomb, a nice opponent coming in. But then it's SEC season, and from there, you're playing for blood. Mississippi State needs to get their act together this weekend, take care of a series. They really, truly do need to sweep this series especially coming off this last weekend out in Texas where they scored a bunch of runs and gave up a lot more runs. And even their win against Southern Miss, what, 10-9 to final? It was great to rally and come back and win it, but still you gave up nine runs and you had to score 10 to win a game. That's not a formula for success over the long haul. And this weekend we'll be giving our judgments on how they did or didn't do it and when it comes time for Overreaction Monday. But that's a couple days away from now. For the moment, it's the Doghouse brought to you by Bet Online. as we talk about the start of spring football with the encouraging words about Zach Arnett's team and waiting for Selection Sunday for Bulldog basketball. I'm your host, W. Murray. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be speaking with you again Monday. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions and...